This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God in worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. If you have your copy of God's Word, I'd like to ask you to please open it to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. We'll be looking at some other passages this morning as we continue an examination of the question of elders. Uh, to our guest, I want to thank you for being here. And just to let you know that this Sunday, as well as the following two, we are in a series where, as a church, we are considering if the Lord would have us change our leadership model to more of an elder-led model rather than just a single pastor model. So the message is a little bit different than usual. Uh, normally, I preach an exposition which means we read a text and I just work my way through it. But this, these few weeks are a little bit different. And just as a reminder in our congregation, we are considering this issue. I mentioned just a moment ago, I'll continue, we'll continue to be meeting with the Sunday school classes. And then we will have a church discussion, I believe, on the last Sunday night of October. And then the first Sunday of November we will have a vote on making this leadership change. So be praying. And also as a reminder, Wednesday nights, we'll be meeting at 6 o'clock up in the chapel for a time of prayer together, just asking the Lord to give us guidance. And He will, because He promised us He would. If any of us lack wisdom, let us ask the Lord who gives generously to all who ask without finding fault. Let the one who asks, ask in faith, not doubting. For that one shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is unstable in all he does. He's like a, a ship on the ocean tossed to and fro by the waves. So we will ask in faith, believing. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. May God be glorified in the reading and the hearing of His Word this morning. Now, just as means of review... I wanted to start back with the question of why are we considering this? This was the message from last week, but I'll give you just a very brief summary. There are three reasons that this question is before us. First of all, we start with the Scripture. Uh, through a study of the Scripture, we encounter the word elders frequently in the Old and the New Testament. And the majority of the usage of elders is just that. It's plural, elders. So the starting point for us must be what does the Scripture say? What does it teach us about the structure of church leadership and how that leadership is to function? So that's where we begin with, the question of what does the Scripture teach and re-examining that. 
Second question is circumstances. And to be more specific, it would be the circumstances that I have found myself in. Where because of my daughter's uh, illness, the, my time has shifted into what I am able to do and to commit myself to do. And that has affected, of course, our ministries here at Trinity to a varying degree. So the final reason is just continuity. That whenever there is a change in the staff, having a group of elders that is leading consistently gives us continuity and leadership. In other words, when the day comes, and Lord, let it be many years from now, when Trinity begins to search for a new lead or senior pastor, this church won't be looking for this pastor to come in with his vision for the congregation. But he will come to a church that is able to say, because of its leadership, this is our vision. This is who we are. Do you fit into this vision? So it will give a level of continuity. Those are the reasons why. So this morning, we're going to be looking at what do elders do? Once we call them, what are we expecting? What does the Scripture teach is to be their function? Now, let me, before I even begin to address that, to answer this, this issue, there are two offices. And by office, I simply mean recognized leadership roles. Now, there are many who have the gift of leadership. This congregation has been very blessed by many who have that spiritual gift. And they serve in a variety of ways, from the women's ministry to the nursery to men's ministry. But when it comes to recognized offices, recognized leadership roles, I think there are two that come out in the New Testament. One is that of elders. That is one of the offices that is often described. Now, I say it is an office based upon 1 Timothy 3.1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires the, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, there are many important points in that one verse. The phrase, if anyone aspires, is one that we will deal with in two weeks when we think about how are our elders chosen? How does this come about? That word aspire means calling. But the word office is what draws our attention now. A recognized leadership role within the church. If anyone desires this office of overseer. The second office is the one with which we are most familiar. Not just elders, but deacons. Deacon, of course, literally means table, waiter, server, servant. Deacons take up on that hands-on role of serving a congregation. So we have two offices. One, that it, both of them give spiritual leadership, but in different ways. As we're going to examine this morning, we'll see more of the role of elders... Deacons serve in very hands-on ways. At Trinity, they serve to the widows and widowers by being sure that if those widows or widowers or other senior adults have needs, physical needs, the deacons are the first line seeking to meet those needs. Whether it be the building of a ramp, cleaning of gutters, new paint, anything like that we can do. Deacons also serve this congregation, as I mentioned last week, in, in what ways behind the scenes, and setting up and taking down, as well as the picnic, the church-wide picnic that we enjoyed back in July. The deacons were the ones behind that, so the deacons serve in a hands-on way. But this morning, we're looking at this term, elders. Now, in the Scripture, there are three terms that are used to describe the one office of elder. These terms are synonymous. 
They are the term, first of all, elder, the word presbyteros. Now, let me be clear, and I will repeat this several times. We are not becoming Presbyterians should we make this change. The word presbyteros means elder. That's what that means. So that's one of the terms that comes up to describe this office. You see that word in the text in 1 Peter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, presbyteros. So that's the first term. The second term is the word overseer. And just as we are not becoming Presbyterians, we are not becoming Episcopalians either. The word overseer is the word episkopos. Once again, it is found in the passage that I read earlier in verse 2. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. That's a form of the word episkopos. Now, those two terms describe the same office, but there's a third term. The one that we are probably most familiar with, shepherd or pastor. So pastor is a word describing the function of an elder, one who gives oversight, shepherd or pastor. As I said, that's the one we're most familiar with. Technically, Trinity has existed as a one elder congregation, one lead elder, one lead pastor. And what we're looking at is changing that leadership model to where there are multiple pastors, multiple elders. Now, the way that helps me to understand these three terms is this. So we start with the first one. Who serves the congregation as leaders? Elders do. The next question is, what do they do? They give oversight. That's the word episkopos. And how are they to do this? By shepherding. That helps me to understand these three terms. Who gives leadership? Elders. What do they do? They give oversight. How do they do that? By shepherding. Not serving as CEOs, not dictators, but shepherds. If you ever do a word search on the word shepherd, you'll find that it is a rich word in the Scripture. It's a very powerful imagery of, of leadership. I would remind you that Jesus himself referred to himself as a shepherd. In fact, in the passage I read earlier in verse 4, it says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is a reminder that the flock is ultimately God's. That we are shepherding. Now, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5 is unique because you see these three terms, elder, overseer, and shepherd, all in the same passage, I think describing the functions that I laid out before you. Peter says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's to be revealed, shepherd the flock. There's that other term. Shepherd the flock. What do elders do? They shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How do they do this? Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. It's a reminder that as elders, as shepherds, no matter what the leadership structure is, this church is God's. That's why I'd remind you that as we consider this change in our leadership model, that there are some things that do not change. First of all, the Lord Jesus is over his church. The church is his. We are his body, his people. 
That's where the congregation comes under the Lord Jesus. And that congregation is served by elders and the ministerial staff and then the deacons coming along underneath to give hands-on support. That's why it's important to recognize the distinction that if we make this change in our leadership model, we are not becoming elder rule where what the elders say go. We are elder-led where the elders would lead by shepherding and ultimately the congregation would still make decisions it's very important distinction to make that's why i always want to come back to the idea that an elder whether it be a single elder with one pastor or multiple elders are called to serve to be shepherds just as our lord is our shepherd that's why this is the definition that i use elders are to be conduits of jesus displaying the character and compassion of jesus as they care for his flock. That's what elders do. They are to be conduits. In other words, Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord, is to flow through them. So they display the character and compassion of Jesus as they provide care for the flock. That's why it says Jesus is the chief shepherd. So when we look at what elders do, that's where we begin with that last part, the last phrase of that sentence, care. What do elders do? First of all, as shepherds, elders seek to care for God's flock. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 emphasizes this when it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The phrase that is highlighted in yellow, they are keeping watch over your souls, is one Greek word, the keeping watch over, that means care for, continuous concern. Elders are to give care to the flock as a good shepherd does. Not trying to domineer or to beat the flock, but to serve the flock. Now, how does the shepherd there, or how does the elder care for the flock? And there are some ways the scripture gives us to understand the care that the shepherd is to give to the flock. So how do elders care for the flock? First of all, by protecting the flock. Paul emphasizes this as he is getting ready to make his way from uh, the Greece area area of the country of Greece, all the way down to Jerusalem. And as he is getting ready to leave, he meets the elders of the church of Ephesus. This is found in Acts chapter 20, and it's a very poignant scene. It ends with Paul and the elders weeping together, for they know that what awaits Paul in Jerusalem is arrest, jail, and possibly martyrdom. And as Paul is addressing the elders of the church at Ephesus, he says to them in Acts 20, verses 28 through 31, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Care for yourself, care for them, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's another one of those the words, overseer, episkopos, to do what? Care for the church of God. It's his church. He obtained it with his blood. Give care to it. It doesn't belong to you. It's his I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
First of all, that last phrase in verse 31 is crucial for the care that any elder should give to the congregation with tears. Never with a hard heart or a domineering heart, but with tears and a sense of brokenness. But when it comes to protecting the flock, I draw your attention to verse 30. Paul warns them that there will be men that will come from without with outside the church and from within the church it will speak twisted things this is a warning to always teach sound doctrine now in the early church there were two primary false doctrines that would arise that i think paul's warning them one false doctrine always attacked either the divinity or the humanity of jesus that was a common theme among false teachers that either jesus is not divine and he's fully human or he's fully god and he's not fully man that's one of the heresies that the early church had to continually fight to say that jesus is both fully god and fully man he says protect that the second common false teaching attacked the gospel of grace It began to teach that you are saved, not just by what Jesus did upon the cross, but by your works. You need to add to it to to keep your salvation or to merit being saved. And Paul continually comes back to say, preach the grace of God that we are saved by grace, through faith, alone, no other way. Those heresies still exist today. Whether it's Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, there is always an attack upon the divinity or the humanity of Jesus Christ. And the grace of God will always be attacked because our pride causes us to lean toward our own works rather than trusting in the work that God has done. So an elder is to protect the flock from false teachings that would undermine who Jesus is as well as the gospel of salvation by grace alone. Elders are to protect the flock. That's the first way they care. They are also to care for the flock by praying for the flock. I'd remind you that the origin of deacons, so let me sidestep to deacons for just a moment, came out of a desire among the apostles to focus on preaching the word and praying. So they said because there are needs among the widows, needs that are very valid, needs that need to be addressed, we need those needs taken care of, but we don't need to neglect the preaching and prayer for the people. So he says, deacons, you overtake that hands-on care in the distribution of food to care for the widows while we focus on preaching and prayer. Now I point that out because look back to verse 1 of chapter 5 in 1 Peter. Notice that Peter says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Now think about that statement for just a moment. Peter was an apostle. And as he points out here, he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter could have played the apostle card. I'm an apostle. You do what I say. I saw Jesus. But he doesn't. He says, I'm a fellow elder among you. Which reminds me that one of the responsibilities of an elder comes under teaching, as we'll get to in just a moment, as well as praying for. Praying is a a vital part of what any pastor should be doing for his people. And I hope that that as a congregation, I believe this congregation has to understand that. That if there comes a time and you call and say, may I speak with one of the pastors? And you get the response, they're in a time of prayer right now that you will not say, what do you mean they're praying? I need to talk with them now. But instead we'll say, they're praying. Tell them to pray for me. Give them that message. 
You see this emphasis on pray, the prayer ministry of the elders in the book of James. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That's part of the ministry of elders. To be praying for the flock, caring for the flock. And specifically answering that call to pray. So what do, do elders do? We've seen they protect, they pray, and then they feed the flock. This refers to preaching and teaching. When we look at the characteristics of those who would be called as elders and those who would be called as deacons, you'll find that they are very similar. But the one key difference is this. Elders need to be able to teach. That's not a qualification found in the list for deacons. Elders need to be able to teach. Now, the question has been put to me, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? And my answer is, it has to do with the voice that you use. This is really preaching. No, the difference is subtle, but it's there. Preaching focuses more upon a proclamation of the gospel through the exposition of the word. Preaching comes to a declaration. Teaching is more hands-on seeking to understand the Bible and applying it to daily life. I do a mixture in my messages of preaching and teaching, taking the word and trying to apply it. That's what teachers do. Now, it's also recognized that within that role of elders, there are some that are specifically called to preach and teach. I say that based upon 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So while there are elders, all, I'm sorry, while all elders should be able to teach, there are those whose primary giftedness fall in preaching and teaching. I hope that distinction is there. So every elder should be able to teach. But there are those with whom God has given a special calling, a, a special hand upon their life to preach and to teach. That's where I see my, my area of giftedness. It's easy to become very well of your shortcomings, and I'm very well of mine as a, a leader and a pastor. But I can honestly say I feel like the one thing God made me to do is to preach and teach. And so I think that Paul is drawing that distinction to Timothy that there are those who are called primarily to preach and to teach. Now, this doesn't mean that we rely back on the elders to do everything. Notice in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, where Paul is talking to the church, he said he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd and teachers. And that phrase that's in the yellow highlight should actually read shepherding teachers, teachers who shepherd. And remember, that word shepherd is one of the words for elders, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So no matter what leadership model we have, whether it's a single elder, plurality of elders. The elders are called to equip the congregation so that we are ministering to one another. It's not just one person doing all the work, but it is feeding the congregation upon the Word of God. So the congregation is equipped to minister to one another and carry the gospel out. 
And I would remind you that the way the shepherd feeds the flock is on the Word of God. The Word of God is the food the Lord gives us to sustain our souls. Now, I don't pretend to understand the dynamic of how all that works. I don't understand how physical digestion works, to be completely honest. But I do know that God's Word is spiritual food. And the reading of it and the sound teaching of it nourishes our food. And I have people that will say to me sometimes, Pastor, I don't remember everything you say in a sermon. Well, I, I don't either. I don't remember every meal that I've ever eaten. But I do know that it feeds me. So the call of the shepherd is to take care of the flock by feeding the flock on the Word of God steadily, consistently. One final thing. The shepherd is to protect, pray, feed the flock, and lead the flock. Elders do serve as leaders, helping to guide, direct, giving oversight to the congregation. 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul wrote, Let the elders who rule well. The word there means give oversight to. And it speaks of leading compassionately. Uh, the word rule there, that's one of those times in the translation I, I wish there was another word that is used because it's very easy to read into that an authoritarian type approach. You see, elders are not called to be CEOs. They are called to be shepherds who lead compassionately, humbly, and graciously. Those are themes that I'm going to come back to the next two Sundays because that's crucial when we consider this. Those who rule well, who lead well, don't lead authoritatively or legalistically, but with love, care. And like Paul said to the elders, admonishing with tears and loving. So elders will give leadership and directing, working with the various committees. You see, while it might be a change if God leads us to do this in our leadership model, some things won't change. We'll still be congregation-led, still working with various committees. Elders will be working with those. But in all things, there must be love and an attitude of service. I'm reminded of the old story of a pastor who began his service, his first pastorate. And we stepped up to preach the sermon at his brand new congregation, his first sermon as a young man. There was a note taped to the pulpit that simply said this, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's the bottom line. What do elders do? Well, we can look back at everything that I just said. But the bottom line is elders should lead people to see and know Jesus. And after all, isn't that what every believer is called to do? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me if you would. Father, I thank you that you are the great shepherd. And you tend to your flock. Father, you tend to us out of your great love because, Father, you purchased us by your blood. And we are yours. And Father, we want to, to do what is your will. So as a congregation, we are, are seeking what you would have us to do. But Lord, in all things, I pray. I pray that the spirit of Jesus would be seen among us. 
that we would grow in our love for you. And as we discuss this and pray about it, that we would experience a unity that goes beyond simple explanation of, a, of an organization, but can simply point to the supernatural working of your spirit. Father, grant these things. Give us wisdom and help us to show the world Jesus. For it is in his name that I pray. Amen.